Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Sarah Kamasiani. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. So today I sit down with Sarah, um, who also is in the Best of You um, coaching group that with Jill Coleman this past year. So I've met some awesome women in this group, and I uh, look forward to bringing you guys some of their um, interviews and their fitness stances. Most of them are totally aligned with exactly what I believe in, and Sarah is also another yogi, which we actually didn't talk a ton about today. I am going to have her back on uh, probably later this year, and we're going to kind of go back and forth and talk about some of the trends and maybe if you guys want to send in questions because we had a really good time discussing and um, kind of getting into some of the things in the fitness industry that might not be true or why certain things maybe should be avoided, um, such as long bouts of cardio. We also got into uh, cheat meals and cheat days and why neither one of us are a big fan of those, and then how to actually get physique changes. So we really talked nitty-gritty fitness stuff today and um, just information that you guys would want to know if you're starting a fitness routine. This is a great episode to listen to because we talked about you know weight management and anti-diet stance. Um, just lots of fun stuff. So, uh, again, if you guys have any questions for us, let us know. Cause I think we are going to do this again, probably in November and kind of go back and forth and have a little, uh, you know, open discussion about some of the questions that we commonly hear and any questions that you guys have for us as well. All right. So without further ado, you're going to hear me butcher her name right in the intro. I am working on the last name. Um, and so you'll hear that right away, but Sarah's a good sport about it. So without further ado, here's today's interview. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today I have Sarah Camo. Shoot, Sarah Camasioni. <laughs> I told her I wasn't going to say her last name, and then I was like, I never know when I press record. I just tried to say it, so I totally butchered it. So say your last name for us all. Camasioni. Camasioni. You you had it like you had the initial blunder, but then you pulled it out immaculately. So good job. Thanks. Oh. Well, so I'm here with Sarah today. And so Sarah is in the fitness industry um, and she's been in the fitness industry almost as long as I have as well. Um, so I am kind of excited to have some good deep discussions about, you know, what's going on in the industry today. What are some good trends? What are some ones maybe that you should skip um, and anything else that pops into our heads. So I kind of want to know a little bit more about you and your fitness philosophy. Yeah, I'm super excited to be talking to you about this today as well. So um, my fitness philosophy really starts at empowering women. I do work with male clients as well. And, and it's, it's um, always a challenge sometimes for me to clarify that because I do have a, a lot of in-person male clients still. And um, there are male clients that I will still take. But predominantly, I do focus on working with women. Obviously, I'm a woman and it's kind of my niche. Um, my passion really lies in helping and empowering women to live strong, healthy, happy lives. At the end of the day, I want women to realize that they aren't a number on a scale, they aren't a size on a pair of clothing, that we drain our resources mentally and emotionally when we obsess over the way we look or the way we don't look, when we obsess over the way we work out or don't work out. Um, and so for me, because of my own struggles in the past with my body image and training and nutrition, it's really kind of handing down this knowledge and this alternative way of life 
for women to see that there's a different way to live and still love yourself, still be completely satisfied and proud of the way you look and the way that you train and enjoying the way that you do all of that. And it's not, um, something to be dreaded or to be hard on ourselves about. Um, so yeah, it's really about saying, how about we do something different and this hasn't been working for us. This hasn't been making us happy all these years of yo-yo dieting and going on and off plans and going on and off diets and, um, losing a whole bunch of weight and gaining a whole bunch of weight back. And it's really emotionally draining. And I just want to be able to show women that there's another way that we can live really yeah. honestly. No. Um, do you have like personal experience from that yourself? Cause I know you said you had a little bit. Um, I think that most people in the fitness industry as trainers, like we've gone through some food obsession or workout obsession in the past. Cause I think that's some of the reason that we try to help share this knowledge is that we don't have to be obsessed with the scale because we've kind of went through it. Is that something that you found in your journey as well? Definitely. I mean, I've been through, you know, all of it. Um, nothing to the point where it's really extreme or dangerous um, health wise, but you know, from being a really chunky kid and not wanting to look that way and being told by friends and family members that I looked that way and I would never be skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be, to coveting, to coveting what I didn't have, to, to looking outside of myself in the other and, and wanting that, and then being relentlessly unapologetic in a bad way at pursuing that, being hard on myself and, um, taking really extreme and drastic measures to get an alternative body or appearance than what I had. So, I mean, you know, from very mild cases of, you know, anorexia, bulimia, workout obsession, um, determining how I felt on a day-to-day basis based on the number on the scale, or if I looked bloated, or if you see the outline of my six pack or whatever it was, um, And it's something that I see a lot of my clients when they first come to me, these are things that they experience where they come to me one day and they don't feel well because they feel fat and they come up to me and they say, I feel fat. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong with expressing that. Um, But it's when we let that dictate the way that we show up that day in our life because we feel fat. So we're just going to, you know, allow that to kind of, dictate our moods almost. Yeah. Which is a really dangerous, slippery slope. And it's what I really thrive on helping women overcome, to be honest. Mm -hmm. No, I can totally relate. And I think that's, I think it's such a common thing in the fitness industry in general is, um, you know, when we get into our fitness journey, this is why I always talk about this with clients too, are what are your goals? And right now I'm attracting a lot of people who weight loss is maybe a 90 day goal instead of a 30 day goal. Cause people are now starting to realize, okay, I need to make this a habit. Um, before I start with, I need to lose 20 pounds in the first month. Cause I think we're starting to open up our eyes that that might not be the best way to go about reaching our goals. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest changes that I've seen in the last you know 10 years that I've been in the industry. Is there anything else that you've seen um, since you've been in the industry that really has evolved And thank God for that, the whole idea that people have um, embraced that 
okay, I'm not going to come to a trainer and work with you and look for a 30 day quick fix. I mean, there are still going to be those people out there, but just like you said, at this point, um, I do attract right now, a lot of people who are really just trying to get off the couch, get me off the couch, get me in the gym, get me strong, get me moving, get me in a lifestyle that is full of movement in and outside of the gym. And I don't, force nutrition or weight loss on people. A lot of people come and they're like, I want to lose weight, but I really just, first of all, I need to just start working out again. And they come to the after effect of weight loss when they're ready. You know, after a month of working out, they're like, okay, I'm really ready to start looking at my nutrition. Can we work on that? Mm. And, you know, I, I'll give them, you know, feedback and tidbits, the whole time that we're working together, but it takes them to really come and be like, okay, I'm ready to make more changes because I think people really are getting away from this instant gratification, instant results driven life because it doesn't work really. Um, and like you said, I'm, I have seen that, that trend change in the fitness industry as well. One thing that I'm really excited and maybe it's just because of the women I surround myself with within the industry, women like yourself and, and the other colleagues that I work with and that I know online I love the fact that so much more of the messaging these days um, and the trend seems to be a movement away from this like ideal beauty of super thin, skinny um, women. And that mm -hmm. is, that is the only way to be. And if that's the only, and that, and that's the way that that's the reason why people train. That's the reason why people work out. It's why you want to restrict yourself of any enjoyable food because you want to look thin and, be skinny and there's nothing wrong with that look and I'm not downing that at all I'm just glad that there seems to be a trend where women are like myself I'm not naturally super tall thin and lean I've got curves I'm five one and and I have muscle and that's okay now it's okay to be bigger in your body and bigger in your life and those two don't come together by happenstance. The, the coincidence of being stronger and being bigger physically by having more muscle and um, being bigger correlates to having a bigger life, I feel. It correlates to showing up in your life more fully and speaking your opinions more proudly and with confidence and standing up for what you believe in, having more emotionally robust relationships. You know, the stronger I've gotten in the gym, the stronger I've gotten in my life. And I see that happening for a lot of women in the industry that are working in the industry. And then the women that come to me and the clients that come to me, that is what happens when we work together as well. So I'm really glad to see this, this evolution of fitness um, fads that have moved away from, you know, skinny as a new sexy. And I hate, I hate even like, I don't even, I don't even like the whole strong as sexy, like you're sexy, whatever you do, however you are, it doesn't have to be strong. You don't have to be skinny. You don't have to be paleo. You don't have to be CrossFit. It's, it's, <laughs> not, it's none of that. Um, so yeah, I, I know, I, I feel like that's been a pretty big trend changer. What else do, do you have any other ones that you think are really off the top of your head that I might be glossing over right now? No, I mean, I think that one, I mean, just the body image in general, I think that's kind of the overall movement that, um, 
you know, working out for what you like to do is also, I think, another one. Um, Because I think, gosh, when I first started, even like 10 years ago, I, and the guidelines would say that uh, you had to work out for, I don't know if it was like four or five days a week for an hour to get Mm -hmm. adequate amount of exercise according to um, the government and their guidelines. And now, you know, it's definitely is switched. I want to say it's 30 minutes, like three times a week. So it's completely different. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that whole evolution just in the, my own world. um, And now from being, you know, a single 20, what, 23 year old when I started, like to now being a mom of a 16 month old, just that, that change has been like, wow, I don't have time to work out for an hour. Like I might've used to, I would spend an hour, hour and a half at the gym. And, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. That was kind of my, it was work and play and home. And that was what I had. And then now I'm like, okay, I have other priorities in my life besides just hanging out at the gym all day. And I think that's something that I've seen um, in not only my life, but like clients that I've had, you know, teaching them, you don't need to spend an hour to get results anymore. You know, we can do it a little bit faster um, if you don't want to spend an hour at the gym. Very true. And, you know, echoing and building on that, living in Colorado here, the population, if anyone listening, if, if, or if you know, <laughs> the, popu- the population in Colorado, and I say this in the best, most kind-hearted way, we are outdoor extreme fanatics. Oh, you know, yeah. you've, got, you've got people that go up to 10,000 feet and run like 50 mile races. And um, a huge, that's how my business started here. A huge population of my clients came to me as endurance athletes and iron men and iron women looking to strength train to prevent and rehab injuries and enhance their athletic performance. And so that, that population here is, is huge. So at this point, so many of my clients are like, okay, let's get ready for ski season. So, you know, we strength train and work out in the gym to help them safely get through ski season instead of it just being like, okay, here's your workout, check in, check out, and just cross it off your list. So that whole carryover from, you know, it's functional movement. It's learning how to move in the gym that translates and carries over to your day-to-day life, which is, it's fun. It's a lot funner that way. I feel, um, my, I, I have the same experience you have where it was like, you know, you used to work out for an hour, an hour and a half and, and it was like what you had to do to achieve results and what you had to do to quote unquote, stay healthy and fit into the guidelines, like you said. And now there's just been this whole questioning of that where it's like, well, wait, do we really need to? And luckily there have been so many of us that have been able to create results with ourselves and our clients to that have shown no actually you kind of don't need to do that anymore um unless you really want to which mm-hmm. i'm not sure um yeah not very few probably clients. really want to <laughs> yeah very you know i see i see i see people on instagram they're like an hour and a half cardio this morning now it's time to lift and now it's time to do another hour and a half cardio you know these are figure show and bikini mm-hmm. competitors and i just look at that and i'm just like no thank you mm-hmm. no thank you like I know that's no, thank you. That's something <laughs> I was, uh, so I'm cleaning our basement out. Um, and yesterday actually, and I discovered, um, some of my old food and workout journals. And so I, I threw them too. Cause I'm like, I don't really need to keep these, but one of the little slips fell out and I had taken my measurements and this would have been like five years ago. And I looked at them and I was like, wow, like I was like killing myself hour and a half, like six to seven days a week at the gym, like hardcore. And I'm like, I weighed 14 pounds heavier than I do now. Like, wow. And I'm like, this is so funny. After I've had a child and I work out like 
three times a week tops lifting of like 30 minutes or under and barely do cardio. And I'm like, wow, if I could have told myself, you know, like five years ago, like, what are you doing? You're not even working out properly, but that's what I thought you had to do. You had to do those long bouts of cardio and then do the weight training. And I'm like, for what? All it was doing was taxing my body out. And that's probably why I never lost the weight, which I wanted to lose at that time. You know, now it's not as big of a deal, but I'm like, that is so you know, that is kind of a lesson I think a lot of us don't always grasp until we're like, huh, all I had to do is kind of stop trying and let go of some of those restraints or why do I think that I need to do this for an hour to get results when it's proving me that I haven't got any results, but I still think it's going to get me those coveted results. You, you know, know what I'm until, saying? Until we start looking at why, why are we doing what we're doing? And, and until we start to do that, we just keep doing what we do. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't question why am I spending an hour and a half doing a cardio? Why am I spending 45 minutes a day, six days a week doing cardio? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be an hour and a half. Why are, why are we doing 45 minutes a day of cardio? Mm -hmm. Like why? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I wish I would have asked myself the same thing, you know, 10 years ago, which, you know, my whole foray into fitness really started as an endurance athlete. My sister, when I was, I was not even 12, you know, she was on the cross country team and she would just drag me forcibly on her runs, you know, cause we would run on these country roads, these dirt roads in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. And mom didn't want to run in alone. And so, you know, take your little sister, you know, take <laughs> me, take it. I could totally your, relate to that. <laughs> take your little sister. And so I would just get dragged on these little, these, these excursions that I hated. Um, but in me developed, uh, I did develop a really big enjoyment from, you know, endurance running, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoyed running away from the things in my head and in my life that I wanted to run away from. And that's what running mm -hmm. was for me. That's what endurance running always was for me. And, you know, you're into yoga. I'm a yoga teacher as well. I don't actively practice uh, teaching, but when I started studying at a yoga studio, you know, the owner had a really groundbreaking uh, statement for me. She goes, most of the women that come into yoga to start doing yoga, um, they've been injured in running and mm -hmm. they just kept running. They kept running. And she always asks them, what are you running from? Like, mm -hmm. what is it that, ha and this isn't the case for everyone. I'm not saying everyone who runs is running away from their problems or running away from stuff they don't want to deal with or face or difficult things in their lives that, um, they'd rather avoid, but a lot of my enjoyment from running came from running away from the things that bothered my head. And, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, cause that's what that endorphin high does. It kind of just clears your head. Um, I mean, physically it does more, but mentally it, it's pushing through this barrier where the runners all, say. Yeah. And it's great. It's super addicting, especially if you have a lot of stuff going on in your, in your life. Just, you just go for a run and it's gone. Um, so I think it has its place, but you know, eventually you got to stop running and you got to start looking at those things first and foremost that are driving you to run that much that are driving you to spend an hour and a half on an elliptical machine. What's driving mm -hmm. you to spend an hour and a half running every day of the week. I mean, if you're a marathon athlete, I'm not harping on that. Continue doing what you love. That's your sport. That's your passion. Um, but that is not the only solution to long-term weight management, to health and to 
um, healthy living. And, and I think that that, you know, going back to this whole, what, what trends have changed, that's one of them. And um, yeah, I'm glad to see that that one's kind of, you know, getting the boot. So. Yes. Yeah. And I think another trend, cause I, as I was just thinking of this would be on the nutrition end. Cause I feel like diets are um, much more taboo now than they used to be like back. I mean, when I first started, it was just, Hey, what diet are you on? Like that was just the normal mm-hmm. talk, you know, Weight Watcher, South Beach, Atkins, whatever. I mean, that was just people would cycle through diets all the time um, rather than adapting kind of, that's when um, T- Tasca Reno, I think is how you say your name, the clean eating cookbook came out. Mm-hmm. Like that's when that kind of started to come out and I started trying to introduce that to clients. Um, I think that started somewhat of a trend into that. And I know there's mixed feelings about calling it clean eating now, um, but back 10 years ago, like the basic principles of clean eating, um, you know, were probably a little different than it's now represented in the media. Um, but that was something that I think has been a huge game changer is just nutrition. What do you think? Do you, do you still see people on diets or what is kind of going on there? I mean, a lot. I hate diets. Let that be very very clear. And I'll draw, I will draw that line in the sand. Um, I really don't like diets um, because I've done them all myself and I have weighed, measured, carried Tupperware, um, restricted, um, turned down social obligations, all in the name of what I can, cannot eat. I've been food shamed myself for years because I would willpower myself to not eat something and then find myself literally sitting in the car in the parking lot of the grocery store binging like an entire sleeve of cookies because I had told myself and and held myself back from eating anything that I wanted to have for a certain amount of days to the point where I would just crack and I did that for years and so many people do this like this isn't this isn't like oh my God, she did that? Like, I've never heard of that. This, so many people, this happens to so many people because Mm -hmm. for so long, it's what we were told we had to do, which was say no, be strong. You can resist it. You can do it. And that's just not the way I want to live anymore. And it's not realistic. And that's Mm -hmm. where my shift changed is, you know, when I was in graduate school and I was a competitive Olympic weightlifter, it was really easy for me. And I was single. I'm, it was really easy for me to, you know, prep a whole bunch of food and carry my lunchbox to school and work and class and train and everything was measured and controlled and it worked and my lifestyle supported it. And that was fine. But as soon as those training and those, those variables in your life change, if we don't have the foundation of what it means to have a good relationship with food, we're screwed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like then we're just back at the drawing board and it's like eating whatever you want, whenever you want. So with my clients, I, at the very beginning, I was really intimidated to not give them food, food plans because I was a new trainer and that's what I was taught to believe would work. And it's what they all came to me wanting. They wanted like a food plan. Like, can you give me a piece of paper that shows me like what to eat, how to eat? And so I would do it. And then I stopped doing it because I was like, look, as soon as this piece of paper is no longer relevant to you, you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. As soon as this piece of paper is gone, like if you don't have the tools and the, and the confidence and the know-how to navigate this on your own without this piece of paper telling you what to do, we're never going to fix this. We're never going to learn for ourselves. 
So, you know, for me, it really came down to, I wanted to stop my weight from yo-yoing. I wanted to stop like going up and down in pounds and, you know, there, there are still seasonal changes where it's a couple pounds up, a couple pounds down. And that's just the way it is. But I wanted to stop getting it to the point where it was like, I couldn't fit into the same clothes anymore for myself, Mm -hmm. where it was like huge swings. And for my clients, it's the same thing. Some of them have do, they do have like bigger weight loss goals and we'll work a little bit more specifically on those. But even those clients do not get a meal plan. They don't get like, here's what to do. Um, I really like to look at my clients' eating habits and see really nine times out of 10, I've been able to get clients a lot of results by just looking at their food journal for a couple days and then offering some really simple solutions and switches and some strategies. And it's things that they haven't, they've never thought about. And they're like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. I can switch that, you know, breakfast bar for this other option that is mm-hmm. a lot lower in fat, a lot higher in protein and moderate in carbs. So what I have found to be sustainable for my clients in terms of weight loss and managing that weight loss are really simple shifts and no major restrictions. Um, that's probably the biggest thing and making sure that we're satisfied and we're happy with what we're eating. And that is the driving force in my day-to-day life. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to move anyway if I don't find and derive pleasure from it. There are days, there are days where my workouts are like, I don't want to work out, but I'll, I'll still work out. Um, yeah, it's not- no. I, mean, I agree with that. I love the, um, the food journal where people do that. I think that is something I do the same thing with my clients. Cause I'm like, you'd be surprised. You just do this. It's a pain in the butt, but do it for a week, two weeks. Let me see it. And I can get a feel for what you're eating. And I think people kind of sometimes underestimate just even showing that to a friend or a partner or someone who's not you. So you can say, Hey, Oh, this, this just kind of jumps out at me. Um, you know, or a trainer at the gym, you know, whoever you see in your life. But I think sometimes those little tweaks that we don't even think um, you know, our online training groups, like there's so many different, like I have a free group on Facebook, you know, like so many people have these free groups, like, Hey, you know, is this a good breakfast choice? Just popping it in there on a group. Like those are little things that, you know, we can do and we have access to, to get some outside help. Yeah. It's, you know, and I think that you'll be able to relate to this in the three, four, five years that I used to spend meticulously logging, writing down everything I ate, how many protein, carbs, cows, fat each meal had, how much I had leftovers for the day. I would never change that for the world because it gave me this foundation of really intrinsic knowledge of of food and what I'm eating, how much of it, how much I need or don't need just based on like quantity alone. So I know now how to navigate that and how to teach that to my clients. So it's, it was the experience of having to write all that down for so long that really taught me how to eat a little bit better, to be honest, and how to gauge mm-hmm. my portions and my hunger and, and manage my weight. And 
it's kind of like with my clients, it's like, okay, I did all this work. Don't do this. You don't have to do this. <laughs> let me show you a different, let me, let me just give you the takeaway, the summary of what that's like. And then the strategies that you can implement and have the same results without having to do all that work. I do love I, everyone that comes to work with me at the beginning. They've got to do a little bit of a food journal for at least three days, if not more to a week so that I can really see what's going on. If, especially if, if it's a weight loss thing that you have that you want to work on. Um, Cause I just don't even know. And it's, it's not just informational for me when my clients hand it to me, they're like, Oh my God, I had no idea. I did this X, Y, Z. I had no idea. I ate so much of this or I had no idea like how much I was snacking throughout my day because it's the act of writing it down. That really brought a lot of awareness to mm-hmm my clients. And sometimes that's the best starting point when it comes to, um, your fitness journey. Yeah. Reworking some of that nutrition stuff too, is just the awareness. You've got to have awareness of what's going on and, and a place of where you're starting. So yeah. What do you feel about like cheat meals or cheat days? How, what is your stance on those? Nope. Nope. Uh, I'm just <laughs> no. I mean, because you want to know why it's because they don't work because mm-hmm. I would live for a cheat meal and I would binge so hard. I would eat till I was sick and uh, everybody, not everybody, but so many people do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was at the gym, I posted about this and I, and I went on a huge Facebook, like week long spiral about chocolate and donuts and all this stuff. Cause I go to the gym the other week and these guys, you know, it's like deadlift Sunday and they've got like dead, they're deadlifting and there's this box of donuts in there. And I hear him talking about how it's like cheat day and how he's already had like two and he's not feeling so good. And you know what? I, I just like snickered to myself because it was like, I have done that exact same thing. And I would go Olympic weightlift for two and a half hours, go to the donut shop in grad school, sit down to write and research. And I would go eat donuts and I would feel like crap. And, you know, but it was cheat day. And so you didn't want to like miss the opportunity to like have this experience. And all it really sets us up for is this really cyclical negative feedback situation of deprive, indulge, deprive, indulge, deprive, indulge. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're living on those ends of the spectrum of really staying in a deprived state where we live for a cheat day or cheat meal, and then getting to the place where we have that cheat meal, cheat day, and we're really indulged while we live on those extremes, we never really learn how to manage the day to day. And the day to day is in the middle of those extremes. So literally if we're on a scale, you know, and so much of this sound, this, this is really kind of a philosophy that I um, incorporated and, and built off of Jill Coleman, because she, I think she does a lot of her moderation nutrition coaching based on satisfaction, deprivation, and then navigate the middle. So what's the, (laughs) what's the middle of deprived and indulged? And it's, it's just being constantly satisfied so that you're not living for a cheat meal. You're not living for a cheat day. And, you know, I intentionally, this is a very challenging practice of mine. I intentionally follow um, a good handful of people on social media who I do not agree with anything that they do. They do, you know, two hours of cardio, they do bodybuilding shows, they live for cheat days, they go do a bodybuilding show, and then they walk off stage and they binge eat cheeseburgers and donuts. I follow them so that I'm constantly reminded 
of what I don't believe in and offering solutions and alternatives to that way of life. Mm. Um, God, I hate cheat days. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I eat chocolate probably every day now and I'm totally cool with that. And there are days where I eat like five pieces of peanut butter chocolate chip cups. And then the next day, since I feel really satisfied with those five pieces and it's in the fridge and I know it's going to be in the fridge every day of the week, I'm like, I'm good today. I really, I don't, I don't feel like chocolate when I, when you give yourself, and this is a trust, this is such a trust building game, which is why a lot of people have a hard time with it at first, because you have to learn how to trust yourself Mm -hmm. that you can have that chocolate in the house and not binge on it at two o'clock in the morning when you wake up and can't sleep and eat the whole bag of chocolate or whatever it is that drives you to, to losing control, losing awareness of what you're doing. Um, it takes trust. And, you know, Jill, Jill said it before, like, it's not sexy. (laughs) Like, like, cause it's not hardcore. It's like, okay, if you want chocolate, eat chocolate. So how are you going to, how are you going to navigate the middle of your meals and your satisfaction for the day? Um, based on how you're feeling and how much chocolate you ate earlier. If I eat a whole bunch of chocolate, five pieces in the morning for breakfast, I'm probably not going to eat a lot of cheese that day. Like that's how I navigate the middle. (laughs) That's how I, that's, that's how I balance out a lot of stuff. Like if I have a lot of cheese, I'm gonna, I'm going to back off the chocolate. Like those are my vices. They're not vices, but those are my not, those are, those are my, you know, those are my staples. I don't know. Are you a chocolate cheese girl or I like chocolate. I have a tough time with dairy since having my son Mm. dairy and me do not get along anymore. Which in Ayurveda they really like dairy, which I I have had to modify recipes because I'm like, nope, dairy makes my stomach upset. <laughs> that you know, I I grew up drinking like half a gallon of milk a day when I was a kid. So oh, yeah, me I too. <laughs> my mom was like, you need to. She we we would always joke that we were going to get a cow, but um, <laughs> I since since I got like in my twenties, thirties, like I've not, not been able to do a lot of like straight up dairy. Um, and mm-hmm. it was, I'm fine with not being able to drink a lot of milk, but if the cheese ever gets to the point where I can't eat cheese, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be an, it's going to be an adjustment for me for sure. I can't do a lot of ice cream. Um, no, I can't either. I used to too. All of those. I'm just like, all of them went away. Even like the, well, the fake ones, they really like the, oh, what's that brand? Halo the, tops. A lot of, the what, what is it called? Halo tops. Yes. That one, that one really upsets my stomach. So I'm really like, interesting. Cause people are like, wow. Oh, this is healthy. And I'm like, that one's like the worst for me. So it's, it's, I, there's something in it. So some ingredient must be what really triggers. Um, I've, I've learned that with the dairy, the thing with an ice cream, there's a couple places here. We have great ice cream in Denver. There's only a couple places I can do dairy at. I've learned that it's the places that have really heavy cream or like really heavy creamy ice cream that I just stay away from and I just oh, don't go there. So I don't know. I mean, I can do halo tops though. Um, yeah. I don't do it a lot. I'm not a huge ice cream person. Like I like it on a hot summer day, but I'm not like a live die for it. Yeah. I used to, I would have it like probably, I don't know, a few times a week nice. in the summer, but now I'm like, and no, cause it's just going to make me feel like crap. So I'm I definitely just, am chocolate yeah. though. I will have a dark piece of dark chocolate mm, nightly. Yep. I'll do that. Or two, depending on. Yeah. And then throw in a glass of wine and then you're all set. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on antibiotics right now for that, for strep throat. So (laughs) it's been a great, like, 
scapegoat not that I need a scapegoat because I can very easily just be like I don't want to drink right now but (laughs) um you know I'm dating and and everyone's like let's go grab drinks and so it's it's like oh I can't I'm good you know like no I'm on antibiotics so um (laughs) it's kind of yeah no wine no 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 Uh um that's funny. But, See, I give myself a rule and I give this to my clients. So if weight loss is someone's goal, I always tell them, cause people always ask about alcohol and um, I'm like, yes, people do. It's harder to lose weight if you're drinking a lot. Like I've been through it myself back in my early twenties. I'm like, I worked out a ton and just never really lost weight because I was binging on the weekends. Like most young professionals yeah. do when they first get in the, uh, well, any industry that is. And so, um, you know, I couldn't outrun my poor diet and my alcohol. So I tell everyone, I'm like, you really have to monitor it. And it's not like in a, you know, bad way, but I always say three drinks are under and that way it's kind of their gauge. And then people will either fire back and say, okay, I need five and we compromise on five, but it's not like it's a hard and fast rule, but it's something that keeps them a little bit more conscious of it. So in case people are like, wow, I drank maybe a glass of wine every night this week and it's only um, Tuesday. Well, crap, that's three drinks, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I guess I'm done for the week or just saying, you know what, maybe I shouldn't drink, you know, for a few more days and see how I feel on Friday or Saturday, just to kind of monitor that. Cause I know people always, you know, that's a sticky situation is how can I monitor the alcohol, it, especially if you're dating too. Cause then it you're really, like, it really is. So, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up. So a lot of my clients, I start and it's the same thing. Um, alcohol really can impact your ability to lose weight. It messes up with your hormones. It impacts your hormones and your ability to burn fat and really impacts your sleep. Um, So I always do a gauge with my clients when we first start working together and they're like, okay, I'm having seven drinks a week consistently right now. I'm like, okay, cool. Can we get down to four or can we get down to five? So I do a real slow um, kind of get in the middle situation where it's like, okay, if you're hard, your, your hard norm is seven, then can we get down to like four next week and stay there for two weeks and see how you feel? And then maybe we get down to three next week. Um, you know, I, alcohol, alcohol is real. And, you know, I love wine. Um, but the struggle that women have, people have with drinking a lot of alcohol, a lot, meaning two glasses a night, five days a week, that's a significant amount of alcohol. If you're trying to lose fat, mm-hmm. that's a significant amount of alcohol. Um, and I'm not even getting into the Ayurvedic side of, uh, of it, where it's going to impact your sleep and your hormones and just a ton of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, on the pure basis of your general hydration, your general mood, hormone regulation and sleep, like alcohol is a huge thing. So Um, but I'm also realistic and I know that I'm not going to have a client who drinks seven glasses a week and then goes down to one and just stays there forever. Like Mm -hmm. that's, if that's not what they want to do, then it's not going to be sustainable. And, you know, we work on it and we do some, some deeper dives to see what's really going on if there is. And, um, yeah, especially if you're dating, uh, speaking from someone who's dating, you know, <laughs> the go-to, and that's, that's the other thing I love about Colorado. You know, every, a lot of people, their go-to is like, oh, let's go grab drinks. And I'm like, let's go for a walk in the park or a hike or um, bike, bike ride. ride. Like there's so much to do here that is not drinking oriented that it's really kind of not an excuse. If you don't want to have a drink because your number for the week is three and you want to save it, um, for something that you 
have in mind and a guy asks you out, then be like, give an alternative. Mm -hmm. And my clients talk about that all the time. They're like, I wish there were more alternatives to drinking. And I'm like, there are like, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's, let's go to the gardens. Let's go for a hike. Let's, you can do anything, um, aside from drinking alcohol, but Mm -hmm. I don't know how we went off on that alcohol tangent. I know know we did. That's right. So I'm I'm, usually, you're you're, the shows. This is what happens. We just go in whatever direction we're talking about. And then who knows? And it may be, it may be different for you. Like you're a married mom. I'm a single dating woman so it's like you drink alcohol I well girl I getting into that so I'm doing a 21 day digital disconnect where um yeah it's major and I've gotten real slack with it I used to be really good with it so what I'm doing is for 21 days all devices are off by 8 30 so bedtime is 10 ideally around then I want to be kind of falling asleep and ready for bed at 10 So I'm turning off laptops, phones, TVs, movies, any shows, they're off at 8.30 and I'm reading or writing or doing anything off of the device. Um, That is really something that I feel really adamant about. Um, I like it. it, And on top of the 21 day off by 8.30 device rule, I'm, I'm putting in a bit of a habit um, midday. I used to do this a lot more consistently. You know, you start your morning off with maybe a little gratitude practice or whatever it is that you like to set your day up with. But um, I want to, I'm, I'm starting to do a midday five minute kind of just like reset where if your morning's gotten a little hectic, it doesn't mean the rest of your day has to be hectic. So for five minutes around lunchtime, everything just goes off. I may put like some really whatever music on and it's just five minutes of like breath work and like some stretching. So to just really a grounding practice. Um, yeah. So 21 days. That's awesome. Midday check-in digital device detox, eight thirty at night. Um, that sounds awesome. It, yeah. Yeah. It, Cause my sleep's getting, it's been getting a little whacked out. And so, um, and what time do you get up? Usually around six thirty. Okay. I'm I'm a hard fast eight 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 hours. I've got to get. I mean, same with me. You don't you don't want this girl around you or or doing much of anything if I'm under seven hours. It's just not a pretty situation. (laughs) I just get to be a zombie. I'm like, I'm so tired. Yeah, like you can't function. You know, like you you stop. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep is super critical, which is another, you know, downfall of having alcohol late in the day too. So, but, but yeah, anyway, so 21 days, digital detox, 830 at night, and then doing that five minute, like kind of like reset in the middle of the day is my stuff. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. I'm excited about it. That'll be, that'll be nice. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to wrap up, but I do have a few questions. So I do have I want to do a little recap of today. So in case someone's like, okay, what are some good long-term weight management strategies? Um, You know, what would you suggest? Like what are two to three tips that you're like, here's where you want to start? Some of the biggest things that I like right off the bat is learning how to eat to 80%. 
So instead of eating too full, eating to a place of discomfort where your pants are tighter on the belt or where you feel like you need to push the plate away because you've had enough, learning to stop before you get to that point. And that's the 80%. That means there may be some food left on the plate. You feel like you can eat more. But if we consistently eat to 80 at all of our meals, um, it's a really great long-term weight management and potentially right out the gate weight loss solution. If you are looking to lose some weight, there's a potential that that can happen. Um, and my next one would probably have to be pushed on the spot to decide it's going to be mindfulness, which is a really wacky word when it comes to eating. But for me, the way that I teach it is really paying too attention to why we're eating, what we're eating. Are we reaching for something because we are stressed? Are we anxious? Are we aware of what we're eating? Are we eating to feel a certain way? So there's a lot of mindfulness that comes into our practice of eating that once we understand and have that awareness around can lead to a completely different relationship with food long-term. Instead of going to the kitchen to eat something to feel a certain way or to not feel a certain way, like that's groundbreaking for a lot of people because food is such a comfort story for so many people um, that as soon as we kind of take the emotion out of it, which it should not be in anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, those are the two things that I have had reports back from clients that have been extremely successful for them in terms of losing weight and keeping it off. Um, you know, nothing too restrictive. It can't be deprivation. So we've got to learn how to listen to our hunger cues and knowing that it's okay to feel hunger from time to time. Um, but I have a huge list of them, but I'm just going to keep it to those. No, I like them. Those are, those are great ones. And I totally agree with the, like the 80%. That's what I've been doing more so at night, even mm -hmm. since I've been doing my early lighter dinners. And I'm like, that, that's that been rocking my world. But even the early lighter dinners, I know if I'm like, Ooh, for whatever reason, say my husband and I are out in a date night, which doesn't happen very often. But if we do <laughs> go out on a date night and I'm like, Oh, I'm having a larger meal. And I'm like, Oh, this is so good. And I just want to keep eating. But I know if you go past that threshold, I'm like, I am not going to feel good. I'm going to be lethargic just because I'm not used to having that bigger meal at night and my stomach's not expecting it. It's just like a double whammy. So like trying to man you know, manage that, like here's my 80% cutoff line. Like you just feel better after you're eating. You should exactly. be energized after eating, exactly. not feeling like you need to take a nap. Like it got to the point, like I'm tired of going and eating out and, and making this meal so special and important to me that mm -hmm. I'm going to eat everything on it because I'm never going to go back to this restaurant. I'm never going to have these chances to eat these food again, which is a lie most of the time that we tell ourselves to give ourselves the excuse to then eat everything on the plate. I don't want to walk away from that restaurant feeling uncomfortable. I, mm -hmm. I think it's such a beautiful experience to go to a restaurant eat exactly to 80% like comfort level where you have a taste of everything that you like, you know, that includes a couple bites of your dessert, your cheesecake, and you walk away from that table so pleasantly content and satisfied with the amount of food in your body, your energy level. You don't feel bloated. You don't feel like you need to go home and lay down. Like I, it's such a, I, I get worked up about that because for so, <laughs> well, because for so long, like, we eat till we are, we eat till we're full. And if we're full, that means we're eating a little bit, we're eating kind of past that comfort zone. And it's, I mean, it's been such a groundbreaking change for me and it, I feel so much better physically 
and I feel so much better the next morning, especially with a late dinner, like you talked about, like I knew something was going wrong when I would wake up from a meal and I would still feel full from the night before. Like Mm. that's like, that was like, wow. Like I, I ate too much. Like I don't need to eat like that. And I don't want to have this slugging into the next day. Like this feels heavy in my body and I'm lethargic and I'm not alert. And so I think that that like, that's mindfulness, that's awareness, that's eating to 80. And it's, it's not as hard to teach and learn as people would think it is. It takes a lot of practice at first, but eventually it becomes second nature. So yeah, I totally agree. I promise it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So final few questions. Um, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you at? Yes. Um, Facebook, Instagram, find your strong with Sarah. Um, and that's Sarah without an H. So just find your strong with Sarah, Facebook, Instagram. I do do a little bit on Pinterest. I should say I'm not as active, but there is some, there is some stuff up there and on Twitter on all of those handles, it's find your strong with Sarah. Um, and you can always go to my website, but, um, I have to spell out my last name for that. And that's complicated. So why don't you just go to social? (laughs) (laughs) Find it from there. (laughs) Just find, Yeah. Just everything's on social and, and um, yeah, you can stay in touch there. Perfect. And then the final question, um, I always like to give everyone a little weekly challenge. So when I have guests on, I have you guys throw out the weekly challenge to the listener. So what would you like it to be this week? Get off your devices an hour and a half before you go to bed. Hour and a half, hour and a half. And if you want to read on your Kindle, blue light it and just make sure it's just the Kindle. So I even, you know, I normally read on my iPad, um, but I made an effort in this 21 day digital detox at 8.30 to get off the iPad for evening reading. So I'll read on the iPad during the day. um, And I just picked up some paperbacks off my bookshelf and I'm just going to read those in the evening so that I'm not on a device. I really want to encourage people to, if, especially if they're having any kind of struggles with their sleep behaviors and patterns, um, turn those devices off, connect with the people in your life around you, get off social media, go for an evening walk, spend time with your friends, family, kids, people at home. Um, just God, get off your phones. (laughs) (laughs) I say that and I have like a huge, you know, social media online business, but it's critical. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, I want to challenge people for the next five days, the next week, you know, see what you feel like getting off your devices an hour and a half before you want to go to bed and see how your sleep improves and see how your mood and your attention changes as well. Your attention span. Mm, yes. I cannot wait to uh, participate in this challenge because this will give me motivation to be like, okay, I can do it for a week. You and then it. most likely when you do it for a week, you're gonna be like, okay, I, I liked it. I like my outcomes and I want to keep doing this a little bit longer. Exactly. That's That's all it takes. That is perfect. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk with you, Sarah, um, and really get, I haven't had a fitness person on in a while. So I love talking fitness and, you know, keeping up with the trends and what we got going on. So thank you so much for um, indulging me today. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.